Praise God. How many brought your Bibles? Open to uh, Philippians 4, 8, and we'll start there. Praise the Lord. And uh, gonna, I, I just wanted to, to open with this thought, and that is that the, the, the Bible has a lot to say about our thought life. Now, you know, we do a lot of preaching in this church because we're a faith church. I like, I really don't even like that title. To be honest, I want to just say we're a, a Bible church, we're a gospel church. But the Bible and the gospel include some subject matter, like uh, the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, faith, amen. Can't do anything without faith. In fact, the Bible says that very clearly, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. You say, well, shouldn't it say without love it's impossible to please God? Well, I'm not going to rewrite the Bible to fit some some narrative. The Bible is clear. You, you think about love, walking in love towards others and so forth. You can't even do that without faith because you sometimes have to do it by faith, don't you? <laughs> Amen, if we're honest about it. Some folks, you gotta use a little more faith than others <laughs> to walk in love. So you can't even walk in love without faith. And love is not this, you know, is not this Valentine heart, uh, you know, chocolate candy, Valentine heart, you know, red rose thing. That's fine. I, I, I like chocolate and roses. Don't get me wrong. I'm not weird. I'm just saying that, uh, we're talking about the God kind of love. The love that pays, uh, like 1 Corinthians 13, the love that pays no attention to a suffered wrong. The love that loves when it's not easy to love. The love that loves the unlovable. Amen. So that has to be received by faith, even even love. So that's why the word tells us so clearly that it's impossible to please God without faith. So, you know, we're a faith church. We're also a grace church in the sense that we believe Ephesians 2.8. We're saved by grace through faith, that, that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Uh, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen? You can't save yourself by trying to become a nicer citizen. Uh, we hope that you try to become a nicer citizen. We need nicer citizens today, especially with all the chaos and turmoil and lack of manners. I don't know if you've noticed the lack of manners in the world. If you take an airline flight, you can see those on display, the lack of manners. But, um, you know, whatever. Uh, who cares? The, the, but the point is that salvation is beyond just a self-improvement program. Amen? It's, uh, in fact, salvation will help you improve. And it won't be self-improved. It'll be spirit-improved. Amen? And that's the best kind to get, isn't it? You just literally, the, I believe that God remakes us and transforms us, and the Holy Spirit transforms us. So all those things are important. So on the idea of faith, we also teach here very strongly on confession. And uh, again, not just making up some cliche that we heard somewhere or saw on a bumper sticker. Uh, it's, not, it's, not, it's not bumper sticker, um, uh, you know, doctrine. It's from the Word. Jesus is the one that said... Uh, Whatever you say, if you believe you receive it, 
uh, when you say it, you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe that those things which you say shall come to pass, Mark eleven twenty three. you shall have whatsoever you say. Amen? And so, you know, that's been mocked and called name it and claim it and blab it and grab it. And one person said, well, don't name it and don't claim it and don't get it either. But uh, Romans 10 tells us that uh, uh, sal- salvation, confession is made unto righteousness or unto salvation. Amen. So that's why we have altar calls. That's why we invite people to come and be saved or, or tell people, pray this prayer that you invite Jesus and in. you need to say it. Amen. You need to to communicate that in some way. So praise God, we believe in confession. <laughs> we, what I'm trying to say, we believe in confession. We believe, now I know people can get into dead works with confession. Every word of faith church has had a confession monitor running around. They should just put a blue light on top of their head like Kmart used to have the blue light special. Oh, be careful with that blue light. That's the confession monitor. You don't want to say the wrong thing to him or her because they'll correct you in a heartbeat. But you know what? If you corrected everybody's confession, but they never were really able to speak their heart, you, you haven't really done a whole lot except for frustrate a lot of people. And so it's not, it's not superstitious. It's not, oh, you said that. Now, you know, it, where it becomes like, don't step on the sidewalk crack. You'll break your mother's back. It almost becomes weird like that. You know, like, oh, don't say that. Bad things will happen. That's just superstitious and goofy and a little bit into witchcraft, to be honest. And so, you know, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about memorizing mantras, memorizing confessions. These are the things you say. This is what you don't say. That gets into dead works and can stifle a congregation and cause people not to be able to even express their concerns or have a prayer request because they're afraid they're going to get rebuked for saying it. Well, that's the other ditch, amen. So we go from one ditch to it doesn't matter what you say, all the way to if you say this, bad things are going to happen. Come on, get off of it. Don't be a weirdo. So um, that could be, you know, the a lot of churches, they need to have that out on their sign. Don't be a weirdo, please. Uh, just because we're... Spirit-filled, born-again, Bible-believing, Bible-confessing believers doesn't mean we have to be weirdos. Amen. amen and scare everybody. So, <laughs> amen. But we can be the salt of the earth, and we can be strong, and we can be bold, and we don't have to be ashamed, and all those things. Saying all that to say that even though we put a, a the Bible does talk a lot about what we say and what we believe, uh, there is also our thought life, and that is a part of the whole uh, composite. So I want you to uh, see uh, this in Philippians 4. And in this day, and I mentioned it already, you know, if, if, if all you talk about and think about is what CNN says and Fox and whoever else, um, you're not going to be able to follow this scripture. Because oftentimes what we, what we let, we used to call it the eye gate and the ear gate. What you let in your eyes and what you let in your ears affects your heart. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So oftentimes if a person is talking and you hear fear in their voice, they're fearful. They might use the word concern. I'm concerned. I'm interested. 
but you can tell if it goes from concern and interest into fear. And uh, if, if all you did is watch the news, you would be a very fearful person. Because they're telling you everything that's wrong and what's going to go wrong and how bad it's going to be. But the Bible here says uh, in verse, let's back up to verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Now, again, we're talking about, we're going to be talking about what we think. I've entitled it, What Are You Thinking? You ever seen somebody do something and you don't ask them, why did you do that? You'll say, what were you thinking? Tell me why you broke this. Tell me why you, you, you did this. What, what in God's name were you thinking? We might say, we might say, what in the world were you thinking? So that's a good title. What are you thinking? And what we think about will, will settle. If we're not careful, we'll settle down in our, in our uh, soul for sure. Settle down. It can't even get into your spirit. And then you start, you start speaking that. And then what, what things ever you say, um, you know, becomes to pass, right? Are y'all getting anything out of this at all? So let's just see what we're supposed to do and try to line up a little bit. Peace of God, which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds. Notice and minds. So it is important what you think about. Now, uh, through Christ Jesus. Now, you know, somebody said one time, you can't help it if a bird flies over your head, um, and you notice there's something that got dropped from the bird on your head. You can't help, in other words, what flies over, but you can sure stop that bird from making a nest in the top of your head. If the bird lands on there, you got another problem. And if the bird starts bringing twigs and <laughs> dead grass and all that and some uh, Spanish moss and starts putting it on top of your head and you don't do anything, well, it's your own fault if you've got a bird nest on top of your head. So that's the way thoughts are. You can't always help what comes through your mind. I, I mean, I have thought the craziest things you've ever imagined. You don't even want to know. It's scary. Uh, it scares me. Some, sometimes something that I'll think, and I'll think, oh, my gosh, where did that come from? You know, help me, Jesus. Here comes these weird thoughts, you know, are crazy or, or unreasonable, and this is where fear and phobias can come from. But praise God, uh, we can stop that from settling there. One thing that is true is that thoughts uh, left unspoken die unborn. Some folks have no filter whatsoever. If it comes in the head, it comes out their mouth. And uh, that's a bad, if that's your habit, I recommend that you change that and uh, try to try to work on that a little bit. And, and we're going to see why in just a minute. But we need to, first of all, don't say everything that you think. If you're a wise person, you won't say everything you think. It's, well, it's one way not to have a bloody nose all the time. Some people are a few teeth knocked out. Some folks go around telling, saying everything they think about somebody, and then they finally get a little backlash and wonder, what did I do? Well, you ran your mouth, blabbermouth. The other thing is just for your own safety, though, your own soul, your own belief system, your faith, 
is to not let those things come out your mouth. Don't even think them long enough to talk about it. All right. Well, I just feel this way, and I feel that way, and I feel the other way. That's another whole sermon, isn't it? Nowhere does the Bible say you base anything on a feeling. Well, I just, I'm just, I'm just thinking, well, is it what the Word says, or are you thinking something weird? All right, praise God. This is not easy to swallow, but we gotta take our medicine here. Uh, it says here that the peace of God w- that passes understanding. Now, what does that mean? That means passes what you know to be true. That passes even facts of the case. You can have faith beyond a doctor's diagnosis. You can have peace beyond a doctor's diagnosis. You can have peace beyond a bad financial uh, report or or some kind of uh, you, you know, legal matter or whatever that's really bothering you, you can have peace that passes even your knowledge of what you're reading. Now, that doesn't mean you go live in denial. Again, that's not faith either. What that is is ostrich. You know, supposedly they say if a lion's coming, an ostrich, if he can't run, he'll stick his head in the sand. And if he can't see the lion, the lion's gone. A lot of people think that's what we're talking about when we're talking about confession of the word, but that's not. That's not, that's not faith. That's denial. Faith looks at the problem and speaks to it and says, this day I'm taking your head off. Amen. Amen. Like, uh, David and Goliath. Amen. All right. Don't everybody shout at once. We don't want to get too wild in here. I have to call security. So he says, finally, how many believe finally is finally? It's a good. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. True according to what? See, true according to the word of God. This is the only place you find truth. What things ever are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So we're given a nice list here of what to think about. Amen? Well, you know what? If if, if the church, when I say the church, I mean the church universal, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and all the members in that church. If we if we just follow the word here and practice some of this, it eliminate all the all the little mini wars over doctrine. It would it would stop gossip. It would you know any offense or hurt feelings that would go under the rug because that's not that's not a good report, is it? All those things that uh, that that people just human nature we tend to walk in that. But praise God, you know we can do better than human nature. We, because we are partakers of the nature of God. Amen. In fact, the Bible calls it the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature. So people say, well, I don't know. I shouldn't have acted that way. It's just human nature. Well, I thought you were born again and spirit filled and 
walking in the Word. Well, I am, but I'm still human. Well, I'll tell you what, we need to start saying, I am an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm a partaker of the divine nature. Now, we used to sing a song. It's okay, it's not great, but the song, you know, to be like Jesus, that's all I ask. Well, get saved, you can stop asking. I mean, you know, you are like, I mean, if we sang to be like Jesus, that's what I am, we might have to change the words, then fine. But according to the word, we are like Jesus. Well, I thought that was good news. Look at Second Corinthians 10.5. I'm just picking at you. Now, the Bible here, let's start at, uh, let's start at verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, because if you're not, if you're not in the flesh, you're not here. <laughs> Amen. To be on the earth and have authority, you have to be alive and present. Amen. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, this has a lot to say about our thought life right there. Believe it or not, we understand uh, we, uh, the weapons of our warfare. We understand a lot of it when it comes to uh, the um, Ephesians 6. That tells us, you know, what our, what our armor is and what our warfare is about. But here it says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so we sometimes don't think of, we sometimes don't think of our thought life being part of our, um, weaponry, amen, or our armor. Sometimes it's all, all these other things, which I won't take time to read today. But Ephesians 6 tells us what our armor is. Amen. And it talks about the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, and, uh, and up head to toe covered in armor and, and in, and in war, uh, war, uh, the weapons of warfare. But now here is a weapon. Now think about how strong this could be for your life. How many would like to have another weapon in your arsenal so that when you're Fighting the good fight of faith, the Bible calls it. Uh, Brother Hagan used to say, what's a good fight? Well, it's the one that you win. <laughs> you wouldn't get like beat up on the school ground and come home with a, you know, one eye out and a bloody nose and say, it was a really good fight. I got whipped bad. <laughs> I mean, you'd think we're going to go see a special doctor for you. Something's wrong because <laughs> nobody enjoys getting beat up. So the good fight of faith, it would be, if it's a good fight, it would be the one you win. Amen? Well, how can we lose? Because um, Jesus already beat up the devil and won. Amen? He's our champion, and we live in him. We live and move and have our being in him. So it says here, casting down, here's, here is one of our weapons of warfare. 
that will effectively pull down a stronghold. Now, what is a stronghold? Well, it could be many things, but one thing that a stronghold is, is a prevailing, pervading, prevailing thought in your mind. It can be a stronghold to where that a fear uh, could, could, could literally take you over when you start thinking about that one thing. It could be a physical thing. It could be a financial uh, doom and gloom or whatever it is that you're fearful of can become a stronghold beyond just a simple thought. It can go to a kind of a fear thing and then eventually to a stronghold that it is absolutely set up shop in your soul. How many know what I'm talking about? It is there. It's operative. It's active. And then if you're not careful, you'll start seeing that thing produce some fruit. And then, and then that just compounds it. That's called a stronghold. And if you have one, you need to break it. Well, how do you break it? Well, we're going to drag you down front and get a bucket for you to puke in, and we're going to, you know, scream in, in stereo tongues on each side. And I mean, I've, I've heard of these things and seen it. Just craziness that uh, usually just wears people out, and they'll just do whatever you want them to do to get away from you. It's, it's not a real big uh, congregation builder usually to have those kind of meetings, just saying. And you might get Channel 2 works for you out if somebody calls them. Um, well, how do you pull that stronghold out of there? How do you rebuke that thing and get it out and root it out? Because you don't want that, Amen. You don't want to live with a fear of cancer or a fear of, uh, you know, losing everything you have or a fear of a car wreck or a plane crash or whatever it is that seems to be a prevailing thing there that's called, in the word, a stronghold. And it can be really real to the person. We don't need to shrug it. If they tell us about it, we don't need to roll our eyes. We don't need to go, ah, that ain't going to happen. You're a child of God. You know, some thing that we just say, uh, that's an easy place to go. But, a, but to that person, it can be very real and very threatening to them. All right, so how do we help them? Here's how. Praise God, there's an answer in the Word. Casting down imaginations. That's, it's an imagination. It's not, it's not valid. It hasn't happened. It's not something that's likely to happen, even if you look at statistics. These things that could come upon you, cast it down. I had a lady say to me one time, she had watched too many newscasts about the rising water level in, in South Florida, you know, in Miami. And it's something like, I don't know how many millimeters or centimeters a year uh, and it's still you know every now and then they'll have a flood my lord if you live anywhere in florida you have a flood listen it's, it's so crazy and it's always been that way and so this lady <laughs> said to me how is it in miami are people just being run out of their homes from the water level rising and they they can't even walk in the streets anymore you know i mean she was like freaking out i said you need to stop watching too many documentaries. I mean, this is nuts. I said they only. I said they only have water up high when the tide is high and there's been like a tropical storm and there's more water than normal. But they, it's not like Venice. Now I'm talking about Venice, Florida. It's not talking like Venice, Italy, where we're in gondolas. 
So you want to go to the beach, do you? You know, I said, no, I'm, I think they're doing fine down there. Praise God, real estate just keeps going through the roof. It's so ridiculous. You know, it's just too much. So if you're not careful, though, something like that can get a hold of you. You can get so fearful, and you have this stronghold in your mind, and you can't sleep at night because you're thinking of this thing that might happen. It's called an imagination. Something that is just concocted there. And it says, every high thing that exalteth itself. It is it, it is exalting itself. And here you are going around freaking out over an it. It doesn't even really say it's the devil, to be honest. It's not even always just the devil. The devil's behind everything that's dark and evil and awful. But it's not just the devil. It's an it. It's a thought. It's an imagination. An imagination is an it. It's not a, at least we don't have to relearn pronouns for imaginations. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. What's the knowledge of God? You're a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You live in Psalm 91, blessing. Though a thousand fall here and ten thousand there, it shall not come nigh me. That's the knowledge of God. What else is the knowledge of God? Surely He bore my sicknesses and carried my pains. By His stripes I was healed. Amen. I walk in health. I walk in victory. Jesus overcame even death, hell, and the grave. He overcame the whole world. And I'm in Christ and He's in me. I'm abiding in the vine. I'm producing the fruit of the Spirit. Hallelujah. That's the knowledge of God. Now you start spouting and preaching to yourself, and I always say heaven, earth, and hell, and whoever wants to listen, every entity in heaven, earth, and hell, I have an announcement to make. I'm a new creature in Christ. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. If God be for me, who can be against me? I'm walking in faith. I'm walking in victory. Now that's the knowledge of, that's the knowledge of God. That's what we know about God, and that's what we know about ourselves. And so any thought, it says to take it captive. What does that mean? Make it a prisoner, and then you need to execute it. That thought. And get rid of it. Amen? That's the, that's the word. Hallelujah. Can you see how this is such a powerful weapon? Can you see why the devil doesn't want anybody to know about it? Woo! Glory! I can kick my leg higher now that my waist is smaller. You just wait. I'm going to be on the backs of the pews. In the 60s, in the Church of God, our, our evangelists, they all had... Patent leather shoes and polyurethane hair, man. They'd fly, walk on the backs of the pews. I, I used to try that, and then I fell a couple of times. And 
I was in Bridgeport, Connecticut, or some some place like that, and just across from New York. And I'm 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 walking on the backs of theater seats. Can you imagine that? That's dangerous because if you slip, uh, and so I'm thinking, okay, I, so I jumped over and I'm going to land because I'm wild, you know, I'm, I was twenty something. I'm wild. I'm screaming and preaching and I'm jumping over the top of the chairs. And I was going to land, and where I'm going to land on the arm of theater seats, there's, this lady's got her arm there. And I think if I, st- if I land on that, I'm going to break her arm. So instead, midair, I chose a landing spot of an empty theater seat, you know, with the seat up. Well, when I landed, and I was pretty skinny back then, I landed in midair. I went in, you know, backside first, down into that taco, that chair folded up, with my legs in my face. You know, and your feet are going that way. And I'm stuck. I'm like wedged in there. And I got on a lapel mic like I'm wearing right now, and I started laughing at myself. So all you hear is, I'm laughing, but I'm truly stuck. So they had to send ushers to extract me from the theater seat that I'm stuck down wedged into. Yes. Well, you'd think that would have cured me, but no, I'm not a quitter. So I was preaching a few years later in a church in South Carolina. They were meeting like in a community room. You know, with a little tile floor and metal. You need to remember that word. Metal. Metal folding chairs. I have been intimate with a metal folding chair. Yes. And so what happened is, I was going to jump on the chair, the front row, or jump over the front to the second row. I saw an empty spot, and I'm going flying, and I forgot that I've got a, a lapel mic on with a cord, and I'm tethered with a cannon connector, which is, and some of the cannon connectors, you know, some of them you just pull in and out. This one had the little clip on it that snaps it and locks it into place. And they had a big old amp, you know, that weighed, I don't know, probably 200 pounds sitting there, and I go flying, and that thing held like a good boat anchor. Well, you know what happens when you're flying midair and you're tethered? When you run out of slack, it goes tight and down. Well, when it came down, I became intimately involved with this metal folding chair and, and, and I, my bottom lip, actually my top lip, thank God I didn't knock teeth out, hit the edge of that chair and I went down. Well, I'm laughing at myself again, except for this time my top lip is swelling. So when I gave the altar call, it sounded so terrible. That did cure me. I stopped after that. I said, it's not, I'm, it's just, I'm, it's not my thing. 
praise God. All right, where are we? Oh, yeah. We stopped at the knowledge of God. <laughs> so you need to, these are, there's two things here. This is sort of a Texas two-step thing here. First of, uh, first of all is bring, cap, cap, casting that down and, and bring, uh, bring into, uh, captivity. I mean, uh, exalt that everything that exalts against the knowledge of God. So you start by building a case of what does God say about me? What does God say about fear? What does God say? What is the word? The knowledge of God is found in the word. All right. Number two, and I'm about to wrap this up, and bringing into captivity. That means you're going to go capture this thing. And every thought, which ones? Just the worst ones? The really bad ones or semi-bad? Every thought, bring into captivity every thought. You go after it, you go after it, you go after it. And what are you going to do when you bring it, you're, when you cap, capture it? What are you going to do? You're going to bring it into the obedience of Christ. Well, what does that mean exactly? Well, it, it doesn't say your obedience to Christ, even though that's a subject and that's good. It says the obedience of Christ. What did Christ do? He redeemed us. He set us free. He gave us authority over all the devil, all the works. Amen. He seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. His obedience from the cross all the way to the throne is what gives us our authority today. Did you know even using his name is not, again, some kind of abracadabra. Oh, there's a special name. I'm going to use that. No, it's it's what that name represents that counts. I mean, there's a lot of people named Jesus, you know, in this world. You know, that is just not by itself, um, you know, just has some magic power. You say Jesus over something and it, you know, it turns turns into something else. A lot of people kind of think that's what we're saying. It's not what we're saying at all. It's the it's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and what he did from the cross to the throne that counts. That's what makes it have authority. That's what gets the bite in there. There's where the teeth in the thing is. Amen? Praise God. And so what if I bring that thought unto the obedience of Christ, what did the obedience of Christ do for me? What did it do for you? Well, it saved us. It heals us. It delivers us. It frees us. It blesses us. It uh, supplies our need. Puts us over. Woo! <laughs> Delayed kick. Sorry. That's in my notes. Kick now after. <laughs> I'm having a good time today. I hope you are. We'll still beat everybody in the cafeteria. No worries. Amen. Look at this. The next verse is great, too. If you, know, you know me. If you don't watch me, I'll read the, until the end of the Bible. And having, so and is it, well, look at the punctuation. At, uh, to the obedience of Christ, there's a semicolon, which means the thought continues. And, 
So and is conjunctive, so it means that whatever came before it and after the and is equally important. It's like, you know, uh, peanut butter and jelly. You don't have a sandwich without both of them. But it, so and is important. So it says and having a in having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience. Now the you got to go back to the theme. See that's just that's not just disobedience in general, even though that would be true, and we'd want to work on that. But he's talking about concerning our thought life. So disobedience. If a thought is disobedient to the word then that would be, you would want to revenge it, or avenge it, you could say, when your obedience is fulfilled. So how am I obeying the word here? What did we just get told to do? Cast down imaginations. Bring into captivity every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and against the obedience of Christ. So if, 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 how do I what, what do I do, pastor, to revenge uh, this disobedience? How do I deal with it? You know, like somebody said, adultery doesn't start, you know, at the Motel 6. Adultery starts in the mind. It's a mental illness <laughs> thing. It's a, it's a, I'm telling you, it's, it's a mental, if somebody's had a thought, oh, she's cute, you know, and it goes from there to, Wonder how cute she really is, you know, and then you just, you get this person thinking these thoughts that are not holy, they're not right, they're not in line with the word, amen, they're, they won't lead to anything good. Stuff like that destroys marriages, destroys careers, uh, ruins people's names, you know, uh, they can become, um, physically diseased. I mean, all kinds of things can happen from just one little dumb thought that should have just been revenged by bringing and saying, I ain't thinking that. You know, I rebuke that. I resist that in Jesus' name. Somebody might say, well, you need to repent of that thought. Well, you only repent of it if you act on it. But I mean, if you, if you, all, you don't go around repenting all day for a thought, but you do deal with it. Hello, y'all out there. Hello, 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 hello. We do deal with it. Amen. You go, wait, that's not godly. That's not Christ. That's not the, the obedience of Christ. Put all that under our feet. Well, you know, I'm just human. Well, you know, you're not just, if you're saved, you're not just human. If you're saved, you are a partaker of the divine nature. Now, some Christians need to be reminded they're Christians. <laughs> the way they behave. You don't, you can't tell by, by looking at him. You go, now they say they, they love the Lord, but I don't know, you know. So we need to sometimes remind ourselves, wait a minute, I'm a, I'm a child of God here. People say, and you call yourself a minister, you know. I've, I've been told that before. Yeah, 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 the way you act and you call yourself a minister. Listen, it's not, the, the, you know, the more New Jersey and New York people that move here, the more I talk like. What's the skit? Linda Richmond, talk amongst yourselves. I'm verklempt. Anyway, coffee talk. 
I, I kind of like that accent. I don't know. It's effective when hailing a cab. Hey! You know. I don't know who hails cabs louder, people from Boston or people from New York City, but they, they're, it's close. And, you know, so, you know, somebody from the South walks out there, excuse me, can I, I would like to use this cab. You'll never, you'll walk the rest of the day. You gotta, you gotta scream it and you gotta have your suitcase ready and you gotta have some posture to bump anybody else out of the way. This is my cab. I know, I survived in New York for a while. Spent a lot of time up there with some friends. Boy, I tell you what, you better get with it or you're going to get left behind to run over one or the other. Praise God. I don't know what it has to do with anything. I'm now doing, I've gone from preaching to stand-up comedy. (laughs) Whatever it takes to get a crowd. All right. Praise God. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Glory. (laughs) Somebody said at Ramah one time, they said, Brother Hagin taught us all how to start preaching. He never taught us how to stop. (laughs) I told you one time I was preaching at a church I pastored in Alabama, the beach there, in Orange Beach. I I was teaching on a Wednesday night. It was just one of those services I could not stop. I just, it was an hour, hour and a half on Wednesday night. It was horrible. It was like, and now that reminds me of another scripture. You know, it's like, is he going to read the whole Bible in one setting? And so I'm going on and on and on and people are, I should have, you know, you, you watch folks a little bit. There's not somebody snoring, you know, people are drooling. And I'm, and I'm just thinking, you know, I really need to stop. And I couldn't. It was just like I was possessed by something. I'm telling you, I couldn't stop preaching. And so, and I, and my wife, you know, Sheree, I'm watching her out of the corner of my eye. You know, I can see her going, you know. <laughs> and I see it peripherally, but if I don't look that way, I can always feign that I didn't see. Anyway. We had a friend from California sitting there, and I said, Are y'all here? You gone home? She yelled out, Gone home! (laughs) I said, Well, we need to go home, don't we? (laughs) And that's what we're saying right now. It's time to shut up and go home. All right, praise God. I hope you got something out of that. I, I think it's very powerful if we will... Take control of our thought life. We won't lose our minds and, and we won't lose our faith. Praise God. And God will help us. Amen. You'll see great. You know, if you've always been like a person that had certain phobias or whatever, this is one way you can really knock some of that stuff in the head. Amen. If you need to get some help, some counseling, get it. But I'm telling you, these are the same kind of things that, that will be employed. Think about what's true. And of good report, and it'll overcome it. So we can have a strong, if we can have a stronghold of evil, we can have a stronghold of victory and of faith. Amen. That's the ones I want in my life. How about you? We're going to pray for those that are watching by uh, internet. And if you're here in the house, you can, you can pray as well. If you've uh, not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can just ask him into your heart. 
you know, I don't have a prescribed prayer. This is the one you have to pray. But you do need to call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, and the name of the Lord, in the English language at least, is Jesus. Amen. And you just call on him and say, Lord, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I believe God raised you, raised you from the dead, and I receive your blood and your work on the cross as grace to save me from sin. Thank you that your blood has saved me, and I commit to follow you all the days of my life. You just pray something simple like that, ask Jesus into your heart, and he's right there right now to come in and make you a new creature in Jesus Christ. Amen. And then I'm going to pray for healing. Father, in the name of Jesus, those that are here and watching, uh, if you have a need, uh, put your hand where your suffering, where your pain is, where your suffering is. In Jesus' name, I command every kind of sickness, every kind of illness to go from these bodies in Jesus' name. I command blind eyes to open, deaf ears to unstop, lame legs to walk, cancers and tumors and sickness and illness to go in Jesus' name. Be healed and whole from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. I command all kinds of negative thoughts or or any kind of mental illness or mental problems or challenges to go. Depression, oppression, leave in Jesus' name. We take authority over the devil. Satan's under our feet, and we place him there right now in Jesus' name. Those that have a material need or a financial need, Father, I thank you for showing yourself strong today and in, in this week in their lives. Lord, let them see the manifestation of the goodness of God in the area of physical need. We give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now.